Hello, welcome to episode 6 of Baller Central, presented to you by Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics. Oh, you can find them at OvertimeHeroics.com or on Twitter at O-T-H Heroics 1. They are a great website that provides forums for you to interact with different people and has many writers to publish great, great articles about all the sports you could even think about and news going on in the sports world. So today on episode 6 of Baller Central, of course, we're going to talk about a couple more interesting topics. We're going to talk about the first overall draft pick, an interesting figure, Zion Williamson. We'll see how he's going to look out in his rookie year. And also we're going to look at, I think, an overall aspect of one of the newer looking teams in the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets, obviously adding Kyrie and KD. So those should be two Really interesting topics to get into. So our first topic for today is Zion Williamson. I see Zion Williamson, the number one overall draft pick out of Duke, headed to New Orleans to play for the Pelicans. Pelicans down there, a really youthful team, so many young players, so much potential, so much future, but still obviously so many questions with all those young players. I think that the first thing we have to look at with Zion is that recently he just signed a deal with Jordan Brand, a reported deal. I saw the numbers, I believe, were seven years to start for around $75 million. A big deal, but if you think about it in scale, it's not anything crazy because Jordan Brand will for sure make loads and loads of money off of selling shoes, t-shirts, anything you could possibly think of off of Zion's name and off of his game and all the prestige that he brings, all the internet hype, all of that. But so as we get into Zion's, I guess you say early career, we saw him in the summer league, went in 10 minutes for his game, made a couple flashy dunks, airballed the jump shot, but then I believe hit another one right after, and then seemed to bang knees with some defensive player as he was driving to the hoop. And right after that, ruled out for the rest of the Summer League, which the Pelicans actually did a good job without him, led by those other great rookies. But so, something I want to actually talk about with you guys today is that I think Zion's one of the most injury-prone players to enter the league in a long time. And I think that it's obvious this time around. I realize that in the NBA, a lot of times people get hurt, or not just the NBA, people all around the world of sports, they get hurt because of how their bodies are kind of fixed in, how they maintain their bodies, and how they use them during the game. Unfortunately for Zion, it's not all three of those ways. They're not currently going his way. If you start with how his body is currently right now, he's around 6'8", 285 pounds. I think he's the heaviest small forward in the NBA, which... A lot of it is muscle, I guess you could say, but obviously people have seen him and they obviously, a lot of analysts are starting to say he needs to lose some weight. So another, the other as the other two aspects were how your game is played. Obviously, anyone who's an athlete knows that when you're playing out there, you got to maintain checks so that you don't get hurt. And we know Zion's play style, it's a little aggressive. It's a little all over the place because... He isn't an outside shooter, so he's really just trying to be aggressive, get to the paint, and try to jump up and dunk the ball. And that's something that isn't going to go for him with that body. 
and it isn't really going to make a long-term career, but who knows. And the last aspect is how his body can develop in the future. Obviously, we know that he can lose weight. Obviously, we know that he can maybe even add a little bit more muscle to level everything out. But those are all big ifs because we know that many times guys don't end up doing anything like that and they just kind of stick with their bodies. But so after all that, I think that for the first time in a long time, we see that, you know, just basic, I guess you could call it science, physics, it's not it's not going to support him. He's a guy, 285 pounds, he's not that tall. He's jumping around, dunking like crazy. His muscles and joints, I don't see that supporting him for a long time. For all we know, he might never have a major injury, which is what we all wish him, obviously. But if we were to say, here's a guy who looks really injury prone, it has to be Zion just because of the way he plays and that weight on his body. We obviously saw in Duke, we saw him blow out the shoe. And that was not the shoe's fault, to be honest. You can maybe say the shoe wasn't that good. But you could tell that was all Zion because what he was doing is he was sliding on defense, I believe, or he was starting to run the break on offense, one of those two, and he slid his foot just to plant. And when he planted his foot, the whole shoe came apart. So that's going to be really, really interesting because if that's the way he's kind of getting injured throughout the years, then that's just showing that, like we've talked about, that's his body. That's all he, that's all him. That's all that he kind of puts on himself. But so also another thing with that, like we also mentioned before is that, you know, players in the NBA, guys who get injured, we've seen the, we've seen that the way they kind of help maintain it is by taking their game to the outside, shooting some shots, shooting not so many mid-range shots, more three-pointers, not getting to the hoop exactly as much as they wish to. But with Zion, we have a guy who doesn't look to be a good shooter so far in his early career and really only strives by getting to the paint, which is something he does amazing. But that will also add on to the wear and tear of his body. So it's going to be interesting to watch. But showing that first summer league game and he was already hurt out for the whole summer league, there are a lot of concerns over him, and I would honestly be scared for the guy. And I would be scared as a team, but of course, he's still the number one overall draft pick, so they have to believe in him, and they got to hope that his skill outweighs any possible injury that he can hopefully try to prevent by getting his body more in shape. So our next topic is two really interesting guys who decided to team up this year in Brooklyn. I think we saw this coming, whether it was New York, Brooklyn, or somewhere else. But these two really good friends, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, leaving their teams where they seem to be in a role of success and possible potential for Kevin Durant could win a couple more rings in Golden State. For Kyrie, it wasn't really working out in Boston, but you never know if he could have done anything there. But so they ended up going both signing a max deal in Brooklyn. And of course, Brooklyn's one of the biggest winners in free agency. Also adding DeAndre Jordan to, I believe, a four-year, $40 million deal to r- kind of round off that starting lineup, even though they have a young kid in Jared Allen, who I think is pretty good, especially defensively. But so I think that 
many are wondering, will Kyrie and KD work on the court? We know off the court, they're buddies. They play well together in the offseason at these camps. We've seen them play on Team USA pretty well together. But will it work with the Brooklyn Nets? I would say that I think that when KD comes back, hopefully next year, I think it will totally work. I think that when you pair a guy with Kyrie, like KD, we've seen in Cleveland when Kyrie was able to, you know, not have to do everything and he had a guy like LeBron, they could totally achieve something. They won a championship before with him. So I think Kyrie and KD will work, but it's really going to have to be a really a big load on KD because that coming back after that injury, if Kyrie has to be the number one guy, I don't see this team going anywhere. But if KD is the number one guy like he should be, then this team could easily make it out of the East and they could totally contend for a championship ring that first or second season when KD comes back. So this team's really interesting. Our next, our last topic, which will come up soon, is actually how does the Brooklyn Nets overall look? But right now, when we're just talking about KD and Kyrie, those are two guys that we know could score on the ball. They both can make some flashy plays. They both can really facilitate the whole team they can put everything together not the best defensively but those two guys I think they're going to work out great and I think what's most important for them is they finally got to a place where I think that they totally want to be I'm sure that Durant wanted to be in Golden State but we all know the rumors we've been hearing the past year that there was kind of no way he was staying which I guess are now totally true so I think that's important for these two guys to at least be in a situation where they're really comfortable, a situation where they both wanted to play in a long time in New York City, which Brooklyn is, you know, close enough. So that's what's most important here. Those two guys, they'll be great together. I don't have any doubt about them. And this Nets team should be a powerhouse in the East for years to come. So about the Brooklyn Nets, I think now we should kind of take a, deep view into the overall preview of this team so for the benefit of it I guess we could include KD in the conversation now even though he's likely to not play in the 2019-2020 season reports are he might be able to come back for the playoffs but I don't think this Brooklyn team will be that ready and prepared for him to just step in for the playoffs so I think for his health benefit I think that he's gonna you know sit out for the year and just revamp for the last three years of his heavy contract. But so I guess let's look at the starters without Durant this year. We got Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Terry M. Prince, and DeAndre Jordan. You know, that's a really solid lineup in the East. We can even discuss, is that lineup better than the Celtics lineup? I think that it really comes close because the Celtics, they... The main problem with them, they couldn't find a way to incorporate Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together on the court to really make it work. But this Brooklyn Nets team, as we saw last year, Lavert and Harris, they play well out there together. We saw that Lavert, before he got injured, could have been a possible all-star in the East. He was doing really well until he hurt his hand. He could shoot the ball well. Harris, we know the three-point contest winner. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. But I think that, obviously, you look at that starting lineup, and other than DeAndre Jordan, who we know is a great defensive player in the paint, they might struggle a little defensively. Lavert, Harris, and Irving, they're not really known for their defensive principles, and that might be a small challenge for them. 
But so their second unit, and this is where the Brooklyn Nets kind of take a step over a few other teams in the East, obviously, is that they are a pretty deep team. Second unit, they signed a guy in Garrett Temple who's a solid 3 and D guy, can give you some good minutes even at his age. You also have Spencer Dinwiddie, who has a backup point guard, is I think one of the best you know backup point guards in the NBA in this modern day. We got two young guys who Brooklyn says that these young guys are promising. Rodins Kuruch and Dazan Musa, two guys obviously that didn't see a lot of playing time last year, but if they can be at least solid bench players, that's a big plus for Brooklyn. And, of course, if DeAndre Jordan does start, which that is a big question, we have a guy, Jared Allen, a really young kid, still on his rookie deal. They're gonna, It's going to be interesting what they do with him. Maybe they'll move him. They still have to give him, I think, next year the extension if they want to after his rookie deal, which will be interesting because they just signed DeAndre Jordan for four years. So what do you do with Jared Allen? Because... Jared Allen, a solid defensive player. We've seen last year the way he's able to protect the rim with the blocks, the way he's able to even, you know, kind of get deep in the post and put up some shots down there when they need it. He's a really solid player. He's totally a starting center in the NBA. So that's going to be really interesting. But if that's their bench, I think that's an extremely, extremely solid bench. Dinwiddie and Allen are both, like we've said before, they're both capable of starting in the NBA. So that's a really solid bench. And then you have a couple of young guys that they have, Theo Pinson, Jalen Hands, and Nicholas Claxton. Claxton and Hands, their draft picks. Two kids who look kind of promising. Jalen Hands, obviously, you've seen lots of videos around the summer of him playing with NBA players, and he looked pretty good. So his, his role on the team, probably not much this year, but it could be promising in case Dinwiddie does not stay as the backup. But now we kind of have to look at how does all that mesh. And I think that this team, this upcoming year, without Kevin Durant, I think that that team's, I see them being a five seed, to be honest. You know, Kyrie, he showed that he's not really exactly capable of leading a team to anywhere deep in the playoffs or one of the top seeds in the East. We saw him with the Celtics, able to get the fourth seed. And I honestly think that, that Celtics team last year with Horford, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, I think they're slightly better than this Brooklyn Nets team this year. Obviously, no Kevin Durant. That would have for sure put them over. But I think that the Nets team, they the main problem for them, like, like I said a few minutes ago, would be defense. They obviously will score the ball, but I don't see a main difference from this team compared to last year when they had D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell had a great year with them last year, really balled out, first all-star appearance. So I think Kyrie will for sure, you know, he'll put up his stats. He will put up enough every night for this team to win games and be over 500 for the season. But I think that they, I think that I'm pretty confident in saying that they will get a five seed and worst case scenario, a six seed. I don't see them falling that much farther out. But yes, this team may be second round at best. If Kyrie can really do, we saw Kyrie he took the Celtics to the second round, but you know they had they ran into the Greek Freak, lost in five games. Really unfortunate for them. But this Brooklyn team, two questions for them: defense and how is this going to be all put together by Kyrie's lack of leadership that we've seen before. But the first thing that obviously I think is important that they need to get a hold of is 
at least this year, setting up that team, making everything work so that when KD comes in next year after that injury, I think they may have to make it as smooth as possible for him to slide in, really fit well with that team, and be a top contender in the East right away. So yes, this Brooklyn team, they'll be solid this year, but don't expect anything too special from Kyrie. But it'll for sure be fun to watch Kyrie in another New Jersey. So that's going to wrap up episode 6 of our short episode today. Of course, you can find me at Pound the Book on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you check out Overtime Heroics. Again, a great news site for all sports, all everything you could possibly want in the sports world. Stay tuned for episode 7 coming in the next couple days likely. We'll look at some of the MVP odds for this year. And we're going to look at a couple teams that might be underrated this year. One of the teams that many people still think is underrated to this day, the Portland Trailblazers. So we'll look at them. But thanks for listening. Have a good day.